And so I think if there's anything that, that empowers an entrepreneurial life, it's that you get to choose the success. You can be an entrepreneur and make necklaces in your studio and live on, I don't know, $3,000 a month, let's say, or you can go and found a, a world changing app and be a billionaire. Like, well, it's cool. Do you, right? Welcome to another insightful episode of Parent Entrepreneur Power. In this podcast, Mary Catherine Johnson and Evan Johnson highlight the successes and struggles of parents in business. They share how to be the example of success in entrepreneurship to foster the same in your child and so much more. Are you ready to power up? Okay, welcome everyone. I'm here with my as always, amazing co-host slash mom, Mary Catherine Johnson. And we are excited to have Lauren Frisch here with us. I think this is going to be a very interesting conversation. I think we're all very excited. Thank you, Lauren, for joining us. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. Well, let's start out. Um, I'm sure a lot of people don't know who you are, any uh, listeners. And so for those people, tell us who are you and what do you do? Sure. My name is Lauren and I have been an entrepreneur really since I was about eight years old and officially for about 17 years. So almost the entirety of my adult life. And I love this topic of conversation because obviously I was encouraged in the entrepreneurial space by my own parents. And I am very grateful to them for that. And the process of my, my becoming my own boss and starting several businesses, because there have been a lot of detours <laughs> on the whole path, um, started in, in the fashion world. And I essentially took what, what many would deem as a big risk. And I put a bunch of samples from designers in Italy that I believed in on a credit card bought a car with a car loan and started driving up and down the East coast selling brands that no one had ever heard of by myself and no one had ever heard of me. So I had to worm my way into stores, including small boutiques, as well as what we call the majors. So, you know, the major department stores that we know as Saks and Nordstrom, et cetera. And that's how I started my business and it's evolved so many times since then but um, essentially what I do now is I work at the intersection of joy and profits and my entire mission is to help business owners whether they're small business owners and corporate because I work with both I want to help them prioritize joy and the emotional and mental health of their stakeholders, including their employees, obviously, and use gentle marketing and sales tactics that feel good, that are trauma-informed, and that actually change the, the world by changing the way we do business. And certainly, I have some, some great tools for that process. I have a mental model called the Joy Money Matrix. I have a proprietary approach to 
customer experience, CX, as it's commonly known, and employee experience, EX. And um, I'm really excited about a new program I'm launching. It's called The Gentle Revolution. And it's about using commerce as a sacred vehicle to heal and serve ourselves, our clients, and the world. So I think that we're in a new iteration over the past, let's call it 18 months. The world has collectively experienced so many different traumas. And I'm very excited to be leaving behind a lot of the best practices that we've had and moving into a new world of entrepreneurship that our children are going to be the carriers of. And so for me, this is, um, this is important work and it's layered work and it's difficult work. And it's also, I think, a hallmark of the, the age we're in and the experiences that we've all shared as a collective. That's really cool. <laughs> a little bit about me. I love that. I love that. Do you have any kids? And if so, how old are they? Yes, I have one amazing girl. Although walking on the beach yesterday, someone tried to get me to take his child. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it was a joke, but he, he has a child who's as extroverted as mine is. And <laughs> so we made friends very quickly. Um, Charlotte is six going on seven and she is an only child and likely to be an only child. She is very fortunate to have 12 first cousins. Um, so she's, you know, surrounded by that, but, um, she is a bundle of energy and the most extroverted person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> and I've met lots of people and for two introverted parents, it has been a real, journey to manage that energy that's so different from our needs um so i think we're good <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing i mean just just a couple of things that i have to comment on number one the words gentle and revolution side by side is an interesting juxtaposition uh that's that's a really interesting concept so i can't wait to hear more about that uh but uh you know introverted parents raising a, a very extroverted child. I bet that has made for some very interesting adventures. <laughs> Charlotte is known as the mayor of any town she graces with her presence, whether it's for one day or for longer. And um, she's an unusual person. She And she's very much a politician. And we knew that from the very, very earliest days. I, I mean, I can tell a story about when I was pregnant that I found so strange and I didn't realize how unusual it was. So maybe I'll share that. <laughs> Go for it. So when I was pregnant, I live, we live in New York City normally. And um, during COVID, we live in the Dominican Republic. But in New York City, I was walking the streets like every day, like everybody does to get where you need to go. And I'm pregnant. And I didn't show until I was uh, pretty far along because I'm quite tall. So I have a lot of space. And um, so as I got to have more of a tummy, this was, I was six months pregnant before people could tell. And um, I started experiencing the strangest thing. <laughs> Everywhere I went, people would stop to talk to me and congratulate me, complete and utter strangers. And I just assumed 
that this is what people do with pregnant women in New York City because this is the only time I've been pregnant in New York City. And so I was telling my husband, like, you know, I'm, I'm walking around and everybody just like stops and talks and says, congratulations. And oh my gosh, like in all different languages, doesn't matter. <laughs> and um, my husband was like, huh, I wonder if it's just a downtown thing because I was walking with a pregnant colleague in Midtown and nobody said anything to her. <laughs> so shortly thereafter, I'm going to Midtown where um, I went to get acupuncture and <laughs> same thing. I, you know, it's, it's a different vibe in Midtown for sure. Different people, same things happening. People are shouting at me, congratulations. I mean, and then later on in the summer, I started to show a lot more and I was walking with my husband one day, we were waiting on a corner right near our house and we're just standing waiting for the lights. We can't cross. Right. And there's a car that's coming down the street and it slows down. And it, it's one of these big black SUVs with tinted windows. So it's a, it, you know, it's a chauffeur car. Like surely there are people inside who have a Uber driver driver, what have you. And the car slows down. They roll down the windows and start leaning out to tell me, congratulations. You look great, mama. Like all this stuff. And I'm like, what is that? My husband, and I was like, this is what happens every day. My husband was the one going, what is going on? And I'm like, this is what I was telling you about. Like on the subway, in cafes, everywhere I go, this is happening daily. And he didn't really believe me until he saw that situation. He was like, and he's British and very reserved. He That's couldn't good. believe it. And I was like, listen, I've been telling you that this child is a thing. I've been telling you that she has her own little whatever going on. And this is going to be a ride. And he was like, okay, whatever. How do you even know that? And um, sure enough, <laughs> And she was, so he finally believed me. It was like, this is the weirdest thing. No one, no one ever does this to, to pregnant ladies. But when she was born, we started carrying her around either her or either I would carry her or my husband in one of the baby carriers, right? You can't see the babies. Uh -uh. Same thing would happen. People would stop us. She's so beautiful. Justin's going, they can't even see if she's in there. They can't see her face. How do they know if she's beautiful? Constantly. And I thought, okay, this is going to be funny. And, um, it turns out that Charlotte is just very, she loves people. And so her energy, I think, must have just conveyed, regardless of what form she was in, that she loves people. And so in our little neighborhood at age two, she knew the names of all of the parking attendants, the baristas. She knew who worked at the bodega. She knew their work schedule. So she knew whether to expect them in the morning or the evening. And if they weren't at their post when they're supposed to be, she wanted to know where they were. And she has a, a truly uncanny ability to connect with people. And so, um, and I have a story later about her entrepreneurial journey that <laughs> will demonstrate that. At six. <laughs> oh, at five. <laughs> oh, sorry, five. <laughs> yeah, it was last year. Um, and she she just loves people and is able to connect with them and and engage with them and it's it, it's a force and it's astonishing to have this little person who has such um a distinctive characteristic and I think a lot of kids have distinctive characteristics hers just happens to be that it interacts with other people and so that gets amplified 
That's crazy. And I was the same baby, right? <laughs> I was you literally know what? the exact opposite. Just the exact opposite. Absolutely the exact opposite. Up to the age of three, when we went anywhere and anyone actually looked at him and gave him attention and came, oh, hell, he would burst out crying. Just crying, just like, get away. I mean, just totally uh, up until the age of three, he just, we, I knew which grocery store clerks I could go to that were calm spoken, not like all in your face and calm spoken and calm and, and actually we're, we're getting at his level and realizing that he didn't want to be, you know, totally the center of attention and everybody cooing at him. Um, and so he built a relationship with them and they knew who he was and he knew who they were. And then on his, when his brother was born, the day he was in the hospital visiting his brother and we were getting ready to go home. We had a, a, a double room with somebody else and he actually got off of the bed, walked around, pulled the curtain back and went and started talking to the gal next door going, I have a little brother. Did you not have a little And I'm just like, what happened? Who is this? Where did he come? And he just started chatting away and telling him how amazing it was. And I'm a big brother now. And, and I'm just, I mean, that minute, it just shifted, just switched. <laughs> it, it was, it was, but he was the exact opposite. <laughs> and look at him now. <laughs> he doesn't cry at all when anybody looks at him. <laughs> yeah, hardly ever. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love it. How they, how children develop, I find it so fascinating and, and not so much from like their milestones perspective, but just, yeah the phases they go through and what they're interested in and how they express. Yeah. It's, and that's, you know, the first time we did this parent entrepreneur power, that was really what it was all about because uh, business growth basically carries through the exact same trajectory, right? We have the newborn stage when we are just so enamored with this thing and that's all we can think about and talk about. Uh, it's the same thing when you have kids and then the kids go through, you know, toddler where they fall, they go huge leaps forward and then fall back. We do the same thing in business, right? With the growth phases and all those things. So the, the actual phases were the same, but now we can look at this and it's so exciting. Um, just the other day, probably about a month ago, actually, Evan and I were chatting and I just was like, we need to do parent entrepreneur power again, because this is the second generation, because we were on the other side of both of my boys actually becoming adults and going through their own journeys of whether they're going to go to college or not, and what they're going to do for a living and all that stuff. And my business was able to provide an opportunity for both of them. Uh, not that they had to work for me necessarily, like they were an employee where they had to do a particular job in my business, but that I was able to open it up uh, to some opportunities for them to stretch their wings and and uh, test out what some of these skills might be and see how it was to actually make a living and actually make money off of doing particular things. And both of them got to do that. And it was like, huh, it wasn't by design. It's not like I had this, you know, this, this master plan to, you know, build this business and then have my kids be able to do this. It just happened. It just was me paying attention to what they were doing and what they wanted at the time and allowing for the fulfillment of that thing through my business. 
So take us into uh, wonderful Charlotte and uh, her entrepreneurial journey and, and uh, educate us as to what a five-year-old can do. <laughs> sure. Well, I'll start with that. My parents encouraged us to be entrepreneurs. So we sold birdhouses and lemonade and did very well uh, because of our location was on a busy highway, but we had ample room for people to turn in and turn around, which was crucial. <laughs> yeah. Logistics. It's all about logistics. It's important. And yeah. so Charlotte has always shown an interest in making money. Like that has been something she's interested in. And namely because she um, identified very early that she really likes hotels and she really wants to live in a hotel. And I was like, listen, you can live in a hotel. You have to pay for that. And one way that you can pay for living in a hotel is either to have your own business or to be so good at something that people pay you lots of money to do it. Right. Those are two different ways. You can build a business or, you know, excel in whatever it is, like a sport or a, you know, writing or whatever. So she just filed that away. And um, last year, obviously, everybody was in lockdown. And my family and I, my husband and I had COVID right around the time that everybody was shutting down their normal activities. And uh, a couple months later, after I'm sure everyone else was like we were we were just stir crazy and it started to become springtime and things started to open up a bit more and my mom came to visit and charlotte said you know what i am going to um sell something in the village nearby and we spent covid in a small town called millbrook in upstate new york it's in the hudson valley and um Charlotte's really lucky because it's a very specific demographic, but, um, she, my mom came to visit and she said, I'm going to sell something in the village of Millbrook tomorrow. You know, I want to figure out something to sell and lemonade. We were like, eh, I don't know, lemonade. Do we, we don't have the supplies. So she goes poking around and she finds, um, pipe cleaners. So her materials cost was zero because we already have them. And she says to my mom, she says, who she calls mama, she said, mama, I need you to do this. And she, she sort of kind of shows her how to like put the two or three pipe cleaner colors together. And she says, can you make bracelets? But we need two sizes. We need adult size and child size. And I thought, okay, all right, I see where this is going. And then she starts to pick the color combinations. So she selects the color combinations, passes them off to my mom. So Charlotte was taking advantage of her labor force because the yes. labor force was unpaid. Yes. <laughs> what she did tell her about. And would pretty much do whatever she wanted, right? Yeah, there's a bit of exploitation there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so over the course of the evening, my mom and I sat next to one another and we were, I don't know, we were watching like some drama or something on Netflix and Charlotte is picking the colors and then collecting them into two piles, adult and child size. So I believe then there was some sign making and then we put them in a nice bowl and we head out to Millbrook the next day. Within 
Uh, I think she had two sessions of selling one at the farmer's market in the morning. And then one, we went back just to the the sidewalk, basically outside the cafe, you know, cause there's like one cafe. Um, <laughs> and Charlotte sold all of her products, but also made $40 <laughs> in one day from pipe cleaner bracelets. <laughs> and part of it happened because she would ask them who is it for is it for you or is it for someone else <laughs> so they would say <laughs> she said well you need to get the child size if it's for a, a child or a grandchild and people would just literally throw money at her <laughs> oh my gosh so i gotta hire her it was great. She she was a natural. And I will say that my entire family of origin, we in some way, shape or form work in a sales capacity. Right. So she comes comes by it, honestly, like it's a it's a inherited thing, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it was very sweet to watch. And look, she wants to sell something here. She keeps asking to do it. But I keep trying to tell her how the economics are different here. Yeah. And yeah. so the money that she would make is not going to, it's not going to go very far and may not even cover her costs because of, of the, the incredible disparity of wealth. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it, that's, which is a good, is a good thing to talk about. Right. Yeah. And we, yeah. we talk about, we, we talk about what that looks like and how it manifests in, in our day to day. So yeah. In any yeah. case, um, she's itching to do something else, but we haven't quite fit, hit on the right um, vehicle, I suppose, for her <laughs> entrepreneurial. Wow. Oh, wow. That's incredible. And that's, I mean, it's obviously in your genetics, right? It's been, it's been genetically engineered <laughs> for her to be doing something like this. Yeah, I think so. And even on my husband's side, one of his Wait, his granddad ran his own like humane um, psychiatric hospital, which is really bizarre, like that used very unusual techniques and exposed them to the outdoors and invited the families to come and visit. It was like a super different thing. And then on his mom's side, my husband's mom's side is a woman who um, had a dress shop, like a very, you know, she would basically copy the, the hot designs of the time and um had a dress shop so it i think it's coming in from both sides even if it's not necessarily uh in in my husband's yeah generation so wow wow so thinking about that though especially if you have entrepreneurship in both sides of of her family her from her mother and her father you know one of the things that i talk about um with evan and riley is that my whole goal is to at least have them start out further along than I did, right? And have have less of the obstacles if I can. I can't remove all obstacles. That's not humanly possible. Then they wouldn't have a life. They wouldn't learn anything if they didn't have to overcome anything. But at least um, make it a little easier. Um, how do you see Charlotte and her life being a little easier in some of those obstacles, most of them I think of as mindset obstacles, right? That we all have to overcome, not necessarily products or, you know, location or anything like that, but really in our own heads, that's where most of the walls are. Um, how are you helping her start a little further along than you did? 
that's, I think, an excellent question because, um, you know, mindset, I'm, I'm 40 now and I've been in business almost half my life. Right. And, and yet I'm still working on mindset. (laughs) It doesn't stop. No, it doesn't. doesn't. Mm -hmm. I was thinking today about some of the principles that I was laying out for an upcoming program and then some of the coaching I'm doing. And I thought, what am I going to do in order to convey some of these concepts to Charlotte? And at what point does that become a concerted effort? Or is it something that just simply modeling it will help? So I want to say first that, um, that modeling a different way of facing conflict I think is, is one thing that we do differently, right. In our family. And, um, and then modeling a different way of speaking about ourselves and about others is another thing that I think is really important. And even so this is actually super great because the other day I had Charlotte with me at a store and they had sold me something without giving me the full information that I needed. And I got upset. And I said, you should have told me this before I transferred a lot of money to you and purchased, not having any clue that I was going to need yet another vendor to do installation. You know, this was not cool. And I was, I don't want to say ashamed, but I was like unhappy with myself that I got angry. And so in the car on the way home, I said, Charlotte, you know, I got angry in that interaction and I wish I had not. And they also didn't do something they should have done right? So you know what, next time I'm going to do this or that differently. And I'm going to take some deep breaths now because I'm still upset about it. (laughs) And so there, there are all these moments, I think that we, that we take for granted, you know what, I'm here in an Airbnb by myself so I can work. I am really happy that my daughter knows I'm doing that. Yeah. Even though I miss her and I know she misses me. It's super important for her to see that mommy is doing work, not because, oh, I have to go to work, because I have to do work that I really love. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be able to see that. And um, I think that's huge. Yeah. And the other piece is that, so my husband was laid off about two years ago. He's doing consulting, right? Which is great. Um, but he hasn't found a job and he's been actively looking. He has like four interviews every single week for two years straight. And, um, he's very senior. So that's part of it, blah, but, um, I want her to see that there are ways that you can be at cause and, and choose what you're doing and see that we can still take care of our family. We can still have a nice home. We can do these things because we have business interests, right? Even without a job. And she knows, like she knows daddy doesn't have a job. (laughs) And there are some things that we've put on hold until daddy gets a job, right? Like it's a very, it's a part, she's part of that conversation. And so I think there are many ways that just the day to day, she's getting exposure that I think will set her up in a different way because my husband and I have discussed, we don't know if she's going to go to college. We don't care one way or another. We want her to be happy. And we want her to be doing something she loves. And 
that might not include college, right? So we also are very clear, and this is very different from a New York dominant worldview where it, I mean, people, I I put my foot in it at a fundraiser before COVID and my daughter's little preschool when uh, I was like, yeah, did you see that article in the New York Times? People are paying a hundred K to get their kids into Harvard who shouldn't be in Harvard. And the people I was talking to were like, we think that's a perfectly reasonable investment. (laughs) Okay. And I was like, oh, I don't. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Yeah, there is a clash of worldview right there in value. Yeah, that was $100,000 to get into Harvard. Yes. That's not even including the Harvard tuition cost. No. Jesus. To get a kid in who doesn't belong there because they want the cachet that comes with the Harvard diploma. And I was all like, uh, if my kid's not going to get into Harvard, I'm not going to pull strings to get my kid into Harvard. My kid needs to do that on her own. And uh, they did not. I could have had like three heads. And so... (laughs) (laughs) it's bizarre but i understand where they're coming from and there are some other things contextual things that i could explain how they arrived there but i'm not going to get into it yeah but um and and it given the culture that they were both brought up in it makes total sense yeah however we are in a different era where our kids have a a massive privilege if they have parents like you or parents like me and we say hey kid the world's your oyster go get them I will support you. I'm not going to do it for you, but go get them. And if you screw up, that's okay. (laughs) Um, You know, and, and I swear, I think the year that I stopped getting a couple hundred bucks here and there from my parents, they were doing the happy dance. (laughs) And that was, well, that was probably like three ish years into my business. Yeah. So, um, I was still in my twenties, but they were like, Oh, freaking finally. (laughs) I'd be like, Hey, can I have $200? A little here, a little there. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But, but yeah, we have to, I think, be very conscious about extricating ourselves from some of the cultural norms around the paths our kids are going to take. And I also want to start being more proactive, I think, about, okay, what are the lessons I really want to make sure we hit on now that once they get to that age seven and up, they have like a different, they can hold abstract thought and it gets to be like a different thing, but yeah, uh, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And I know Evan could talk a a long time about college and (laughs) those those options. It's a big no for me. So clear. Yeah, no. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. Yep. It's so clear. I love it. <laughs> and and I, I agree with you. I mean, it really is the, you know, I think that's the one thing we've seen. We've we've done um, several interviews already for this podcast and the different parents we talked to with the different mindsets. Um, and some parents, even though they're entrepreneurs and af- after we go through this concept and talk about, you know, the opportunities and how you can, and even they say, you know, yeah, my kids already started a business and all these things, but they say, but, but they have to go to college. It's like, Why? Oh, but because, 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 and that's pretty much where they stop, right? It's like because, saying they've been in the army for 10 years, but they need to go to boot camp. Yeah. Yeah. That's so why. Yeah. 
It, yeah. It's bizarre. It is. And, you know, I, I understand where those parents are coming from. I went into, I went to an elite boarding school, 90 kids out of my graduating classes, out of my graduating class went to Harvard, Princeton, Yale. I went to the university of Virginia. Like it's a very academically focused institution. Like I understand where these parents are coming from and that is the old way. Like yes. there are such new paradigms that are happening because of the, the decentralization of education and the, the democratization of education. COVID has accelerated it. Yeah. I, I mean, we could, I'm sure go on about it, but yeah. I'll tell you something. How about this? I'm on the board of um, a, an organization that is phenomenal. It's called My Social Canvas. And they certainly have girls who are part of the community who are in college and post-college, but it's geared towards young millennial and Gen Z young women. It empowers them in their entrepreneurship. So the entire business model says, hey, young women and girls, design something, win a contest with your design because it's so good, then we'll manufacture it and we're going to put it in stores because we partner with Apple and Samsung and Marvel and Disney. And so once your design is created and gets the production green light from, from our partners, you get a cut of everything <laughs> that is sold. And by the way, if you want to sell these things to your sorority or to your friends and family or to your social channels. You can do that too. And we'll make sure that you get an affiliate code just for you. Then there's a next layer that is so exciting that I'm really pumped about, which is the financial literacy layer. So they're working on, and I don't like, what can I talk about? Uh, we're working on ways to create um, financial literacy for these young women so that they have they have access to this money. They have bank accounts, credit cards, ETFs, Bitcoin, you name it. They're going to be learning about it. And then they're empowered to deploy the capital that they have created for themselves in a way that supports their education or their entrepreneurial dreams. So <laughs> I'm super invested in this as as an advisor and then will probably take a bigger role at some point, but it's just, obviously it's aligned with my own values. And I think that the business model is so innovative and it's one of the reasons that um, my social canvas has been so explosive in its growth and in attracting partners. So anyway, all that to say is that this new generation Yes, they value education. Like I said, most of the girls who are in the community, they go to college, but they are hungry for entrepreneurial opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a certain freedom, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you don't necessarily have to con conform to any particular rules or, or, I mean, obviously laws, but I mean, rules that someone else lays down like you do for your job. Uh, really, it allows you the, the freedom to explore and, and test and try and all those things. It, wow, that sounds incredible. And is this for girls all over the world or just the U.S.? They are global. Yay. They are inclusive and they are growing at a phenomenal rate. So wow. it's exciting. Well, we'll have to definitely talk offline and see if I can contribute anything. I would absolutely be so excited about that. I'm starting with a, um, 
more of like a incubator here in my local area, uh, being an advisor and, and um, mentor for marketing and conversational marketing specifically for this incubator for founders. Um, but it's, it's really just local founders, not just, I don't want to minimize it, but it, it doesn't have a specific focus like girls from all over the world, which uh, is, a, is a, a demographic that really needs support. Yeah, it does. And um, I don't know the name of the show, but Amazon has just produced over, they just shot it in June in New York, a show that showcases social impact uh, founders. And Lisa, who Lisa Mayer, who's the founder of My Social Canvas, she participated in the filming of the show. So she is one of the founders that they follow. And that show is, is dropping on Amazon, I believe in the fall. I wish I knew the name of it, but I don't. But I'm sure there's going to be a big push around it because it is, you know, it's buzzy, you know, social impact businesses are buzzy and, uh, and they have legs. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, by the time we, we uh, publish this episode, hopefully we'll have a name and we can put all these links in uh, the show notes for this episode, because this is really what it's all about. And we, as parents, I mean, we don't have to wait for a foundation or, you know, some other external force. We can actually do this within our own businesses and and give the support to our children, our neighbors, kids, you know, depending on how close we are and how comfortable that is. But we can we can really have opportunities for for our own children to grow and experience whatever they need. I mean, even just skills like Evan and Riley, both my kids, they they really just gained those skills through uh, me teaching them and asking them, hey, do you want to learn this? And like Evan, do you want to learn how to how to edit my podcast? Because I'm really stressed and I'm strapped and I need someone to help me out. I don't have time. I'll teach you how to do this and then I'll pay you to do it for me. And he's like, okay. Um, and then when it came time to to want to work and get a job, like all of his friends were going out to McDonald's or the local grocery store or Starbucks or anything like that, he tried that, right, Evan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lost at Starbucks for a month before <laughs> I quit because entrepreneurship is so much better. It is. It is. <laughs> I work in my pajamas. I can't work in my pajamas at Starbucks. That's a deal breaker. <laughs> I, think, I think so. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And then we have that opportunity. There's something in your business. If you pay attention to what your kid does, what they're drawn to, what they're good at, if they're more operational, if they're more technical, if they're, I mean, I have some friends whose kids are already like building apps, right? And they're like 11 and 12, right? They're building apps or they're, they're coding something, right? So, I mean, if they're, if they're technical, they're, they're operational, they're more creative, they're, there's something in your business that you can give them and teach them how to do. And then the key that we've seen so far in the interviews and that, uh, again, that we did, that I did with Evan and Riley is that I didn't have them, you know, have to do the job like from nine to five, Monday through Friday kind of thing, right? Sometime within business hours and coordinate it that way. It was really, here's a task. It has to be done by this day every week, this time every week. I don't care when you do it. I don't care how you do it. As long as it's done by that time, you're good. And, you know, their own responsibility to get it done. If you, if Evan waited till midnight to do a podcast episode and it was supposed to be published at 4 a.m., I don't care. As long as it's published at 4 a.m., Right. And now he doesn't even have to do that. He's got somebody else to do it for him. <laughs> already delegating. I love it. He already has yeah. a team. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know yet what, so my, my first, um, after selling birdhouses and lemonade, my dad used to have us sort his paperwork. Um, so we use our stairs, which were very wide and like shallow and long to sort paperwork. So I remember doing that and we certainly went with him on jobs. I, I've definitely done that. And we, you know, we handled customers and stuff. He has a company that does phlebotomy, like all around the Southeast. And so we interacted with people certainly. And then Charlotte has shown interest. She says she wants to be a chef. And she has an incredible palate. So that's a good start. And she'll help me cook sometimes, but she's more interested in just eating what I cook. But she keeps, she really is interested in making a YouTube channel. I think a lot of kids her age are, Mm -hmm. but she also wants to make some Roblox games. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think she's just a bit too young for right now. And we also need to get a PC set up. It, it, I think would work a lot better to have like a desktop gamer set up, mm-hmm. but um, I'm, I'm definitely going to work with her on creating a simple Roblox game. If she maintains that interest over the next, let's say six to 12 months. And she understands that we exchange real money for Robux, right? Which is how those people make money. And I'm not even averse to uh, hiring someone to help us either, right? Just to give her that experience. So that's that's something that, that I've thought about that I don't have the bandwidth nor the tech set up right now to yeah. do. My Mac does not like the Roblox creator app yeah. or application. So at some point in the future, I can see us doing that. And then beyond that, I, I suspect she will have a business of some sort if I had to call it today. I don't know what it's going to be. And yeah. so even from a couple years ago, I thought, okay, I'm not going to be a typical stage mom. And I use that phrase loosely, mm-hmm. but I know that I want to be here to help her manage whatever her career will be because she's going to need some help. Yeah. at some point to to have that boost right and and be able to take what channel whatever is her her creative impulse and that feels like a very humbling and um and exciting process to know that we're gonna we get to take on and you've done it so beautifully with your son so it's so fun. I, I just got to say, it's just so fun to, um, to just, you know, it's, it's like, it's like offering up a plate of something and watching them explore it and figure it out and blossom. And it really, it it's really a lot of fun. And um, we had another gentleman ask us uh, once, you know, well, uh, Mary, what are you going to do? Uh, like when he found out that Evan did podcasting for me, um, podcast editing, he says, what are you going to do when these other people want his time? Aren't you going to be jealous? And I'm like, no, <laughs> why would I be jealous? That's the point. I don't, I don't, I'm not narcissistic in the sense that I, he has to only be with me. <laughs> Um, but that's that's all the parenting styles that are out there. There are so many different places that we are hopefully reaching to say, you don't have to do it like me. You don't have to do it like Lauren. You don't have to do it like anyone. Just open up an opportunity for your kids to see and explore and do it in a time when it's safe now, if they're safe with you, 
obviously, then they have, it's going to allow for so many more opportunities when they're out in the world and on their own. And yes, their mortgage is at stake or, you know, yes, the car payment they have to make, or, you know, they do have to pay off student loans or whatever. They, if they have that opportunity while they're with you in a safe and relatively safe environment, and a stable environment, a supportive environment, they are going to only grow. Yeah, I agree. You're, what you just said reminded me of a book that I read fairly recently. It's by a woman who's an entrepreneur, a writer, a mythologist, a, a farmer too. Uh, she's called Sharon Blackie and she's, um, gosh, I don't know if she lives in Ireland or the UK at this point, but over there and reading her book, she didn't, she didn't make some of those entrepreneurial choices until much later in life. And reading her book, I realized that I really, I'm not going to direct my kids. You can probably tell I'm not going to direct my kids path. I'm not going to be a parent sitting in the interview room at Google, you know, (laughs) for parents, parents rating room because they have them now. Gosh. (laughs) So many parents come to their kids' interviews. Are you kidding me? No, Facebook and Google and all the big tech companies have a parents' waiting room. Not kidding. Oh my goodness. I know. I would be so mortified if that were me. So um, no, that's not going to be happening. (laughs) But I also want her to know that um, that she gets very early on to to decide her, her definition of success. And we live coming from New York city, living in a place where we do have business interests here in the Dominican. I realized very quickly that we started to recreate our New York pace, our New York mores, our New York expectations. And I thought, Oh gosh, we're doing it all wrong. So it's important to me that she stays true to the, the impulses that she has as a human certainly to, to meet the basic needs, right? But that she gets to choose the kind of life that she wants that is fulfilling to her. And that could mean going to the outer Hebrides islands and being a sheep herder, right? Like, like Sharon, okay? <laughs> I'm getting that a little bit wrong, but you get me. And, um, and but, but Sharon didn't do it until she was much older, right? But yeah. saying, I don't have to adopt the the worldview of the dominant paradigm whatever that is wherever i may be i get to very explicitly and consciously choose what i want to create for myself so that i maybe i won't have student loans or maybe i won't have a car payment <laughs> because i ride a scooter i don't know but but i don't want her to to feel like she has to have all these things because i certainly lived my life that way very much so until I realized that I was just doing it unconsciously. It was just part of my conditioning. Like this is what yeah. you do. Yeah. And, um, and so I think if there's anything that, that empowers an entrepreneurial life, it's that you get to choose the success. You can be an entrepreneur and make necklaces in your studio and live on, I don't know, $3,000 a month, let's say, or you can go and found a, a world changing app and be a billionaire. Like, what is cool? Do you, right? Or, or have a job that you really like and then have an entrepreneurial side hustle if that's the gig that, that suits. 
So I think um, that's I, the one thing that I hope we give to her as far as perspective and definitions of success. And I think that suits an entrepreneur at any point, yeah. really, along the journey. Totally. totally. And I think you've already answered our last question, but uh, let me make sure yeah. that's the case. Right, Evan? <laughs> <laughs> I think she just did yeah, it. I, actually, yeah, kind of. Yeah, because we we typically ask, you know, what if you died tomorrow, what entrepreneurial legacy would you feel like you've left for Charlotte so that she has the opportunity to create her own journey? I think that yes, and I can qualify it just a little bit more specifically to that question, which is that it goes back to the word you just spoke, journey. Mm-hmm. We're not doing this so that we can sell a thing or achieve a certain number of commas and zeros in our bank accounts or because the the overriding thing is we want to wear pajamas day to day. We're doing this because there is a journey that we're being called to, right? And I think that component of it, the success goes with it, right? Your definition of success, but that it's really a journey of deeper discovery and connection with oneself and also with the world and keeping in mind that there is no, there's no fixed endpoint. It, it's just going to be what you just said, a continual journey. There you go. Yes. That was amazing. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> so for everyone listening who wants to find out more about you and about what you do, uh, where can, where, where are you online? Where can they find you? So I have a website that tracks my personal stuff, which is just my name, laurenfritch.com. And then my business lives at joymoneymatrix.com. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for braving this whole new world with us and, and, uh, you know, adapting to this with while you're in the Airbnb and, and all the things that we talked about offline, but, uh, are off mic. I I'm just so thankful that you're here and sharing this journey with us and contributed such amazing, amazing advice to, uh, the listeners of this show. So, I can't wait to find out more. I can't wait to have another conversation with you. Definitely. We're going to have to schedule that. Um, And in the meantime, stay safe and stay, uh, obviously, keep creating the joy in your life. You obviously are doing it. It was such a pleasure to speak with both of you. And I just love the perspective you're bringing to this. It's so refreshing and it's so fun. Like you're clearly having fun and it's such a delight to see a mom and a son partnering together in this way like who needs another two actor best friends podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm having fun mother son way cooler (laughs) yeah i'm definitely having fun good no i do (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much lauren for coming on the show thank you for listening to this episode of parent entrepreneur power Hopefully you came away with valuable tools you can use in your business, life, and relationship with your kids. If you want to hear more about our mission, or if you want more insights into cultivating your parent entrepreneur power, join our movement to make entrepreneurship more accessible to parents and their kids at parententrepreneurpower.com.